Welcome to the Inclusion Solution Live podcast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Carter, and I'm here with Rochelle Yunan Montgomery for season five, The Physiology of Inclusion, Finding Ease, where we explore how to be well as you do well in diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work. Um, you know, while this objective is, is really challenging, we can improve our resilience and peace by working together and supporting each other in this work. Thanks, Kevin. So today we're setting the stage for uh, for our series and for the conversation and just talking about why. Uh, why is this important for practitioners in the DEI space? Why it's important to us personally? Uh, we'll share our stories of how we came to this work uh, and how we came to prioritize uh, taking care of ourselves um, in the work that we do. And so um, before we do that, we're going to share a bit about who we are, right? Uh, who, who are we? How do we come to this? Um, and one of the things we like to do at the Winters Group is share um, our I am statements, which essentially uh, just share with you all, our listeners, uh, some aspects of our identities that we think are important for you to know and sort of where we're coming from. So, Kevin, I'd love to invite you to share a bit about who you are. Yeah, so I'll do my I am. And this is um, probably after we do it, you know, if um, people go back and, and re-look at, re-listen to the podcast, you, you'll do this as well for yourself. So I am a heart attack survivor. Uh, I am an African-American. Uh, I am a husband. I am a baby boomer. Uh, I am a DNI practitioner. And most importantly, I'm a video game player. So that's, that is my I am. I love that about you. I don't think I knew that. Oh my goodness. We have to, we have to talk more about that. So thanks, Kevin. Um, and so for me, uh, I am a cisgender, biracial, Egyptian, white woman. Um, I'm a mother of two daughters, one and six at the time of this recording. I'm a sister um, partner, global wanderer, and lover of the natural world. I'm a first-generation college graduate and daughter of an immigrant. Uh, I'm a mindfulness and yoga enthusiast, student of cultural somatics, and a writer. Um, and in my role with the Winters Group, I serve as an instructional designer. Um, and I'm located in Minnesota on Dakota land in South Minneapolis. Oh, wow. You know what? That was a wonderful I am. So I, I got to add, I, I forgot to say what my role is at the Winners Group. I, right. I just, yeah, let's hear it. I, I, I totally love how, I totally love your I am. Now I just want to re, I just want to re, totally redo mine. But I am also the vice president of strategy and assessments for the Winners Group and been in that role, oh, since about 2014, or at least in association with the Winners Group. So, and just excited to be here uh, with our listeners. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And and to our listeners, you know, hang with us. We're new at the podcast game. So, <laughs> I mean, Kevin's done this before. I have not. So um, this is fun for us. And, you know, there's going to be moments where we're like just chatting and it's casual and um, we're kind of learning as we go. So we're excited, uh, really excited to be having this conversation. Um, so before we get into our why, I want to um, practice what we preach and uh, open with a breathing exercise, um, just as a way for y'all as our listeners to get a sense for 
the feeling of and the impact of um, taking care of yourself in a subtle uh, moment. So this is called box breathing. Um, some of y'all may have heard of this. It's one of my favorites because it's so simple to come back to. Um, and it's box breathing is also referred to as square breathing. So if you imagine four equal sides um, to a square, it's a breathing technique that uh, slows down your breathing um, and calms your nervous system and really just helps you get back into your body. And so uh, I'll lead us through that now. So finding a comfortable position, just tuning into your breath. Relax your shoulders, relax your jaw. And once you're settled, invite you to breathe in for a count of four. And hold for a count of four. And breathe out for a count of four. Hold for a count of four. And so just repeat that two or three times. And continue to do this, just focusing on your breath. If your mind begins to wander, don't judge it. Just gently invite it back to refocus and reground into your breath. Soften your belly. And as you finish your last set of four, tune into your body. What feels different than when you, before you started the practice? What do you notice? And then just take one final deep breath. Hmm. Kevin, what do you notice in the difference? We well, you know it's, uh, I was gonna say, you know, ask our, our listeners, then I'll respond to your, your question. The calmness that you feel or that I feel really reflect on the value that that could have in your work today. So whenever you're listening, how you feel right now, that peace, uh, the calm, the presence, um, think about just how valuable that is to open up your mind, uh, open up your body um, to receive, you know, to really to listen to others and their messages. So you know, it just that exercise, I really love that you did, uh, Rochelle, because it, it speaks to why um, this work is so important in diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work. It, it's it's calming the mind, it's calming the body, uh, it's opening us, us up uh, to relation with ourselves and with other people. So um, I think it works great. I love that. This is why I love working with you, Kevin. Kevin talks a lot about um, non-anxious presence. Non-anxious, can you tell us? Non-anxious affirming, is that what it is? Yeah, so I, I always say I, I wanna bring to my work to be not non-anxious. And, and you just, you you are a catalyst for that just now in an exercise that we did. So one is this non-anxious. 
The other is affirming because you're not anxious, because you can be at peace. You can affirm yourself and others that, that you can do this work. I can do this work. We can do this work together. And then the other one is committed that I'm, I'm here for the long haul, but obviously to be here for the long haul, it'd be valuable to also be taking care of yourself, to have that ease, to build that resilience. So, so again, this idea of non-anxious, affirming and committed presence, trying to bring that to every encounter, every engagement. Yeah. And, and Kevin, truly, I feel like you do that in the meetings we have and the work we do internally. I think it's so easy to sort of preach something and uh, not not practice it, but I, I feel that um, in how you kind of guide our team and lead our team through through those principles. Um, so I want to invite us to share our why, to, to share our stories. Um, so as we were sort of prepping for this, it was really interesting to to really think about and go go deep with like what what brought us to the importance of this and what is our why. So yeah, Kevin you mentioned this a little bit already, but for you personally, um, why is this important to you? Yeah, I, you know, I would say the this is more than work. It's a combination of who I am as a person and the work. So I mentioned in my I am that I'm a heart attack survivor. So obviously me maintaining this non-anxious presence helps with blood pressure, uh, helps with stress management. All those are, are you know, high blood pressure and uh, lack of stress management are key indicators um, for you know, heart problems <laughs> um, and heart disease. So obviously that's important for me personally. I've also, my mother had dementia and I spent some time with her and it was pretty devastating to have a person come not to know you and, and have a person become host hostile to you. So again, this idea of non-anxious and now let's talk about the affirming. I still had to affirm who I was I still had to affirm that she was my mother and, and seeing sort of pulling out the goodness of things that, that she would say, even if it was um, among things that were, were negative. And then this idea of the committed, hey, I, I'm still committed to my own health and to be here. I'm committed to do this work in DNI. And obviously I'm committed to my mother as her son and to care for her in whatever way that she would need me to do that. So that's how they're just totally interconnected, uh, interconnected to me. And it's just a blessing that I find that working on this personally also helps clients, meaning me being a non-anxious, affirming, committed presence also uh, helps clients. Um, so that's sort of my story. I was excited as you shared yours as well, but that's why I really feel that that finding ease in this work is so important. And I, I love doing this podcast. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one thing that, uh, brought to mind for me as you were sharing about the physical impact of stress is this saying I heard recently that stress is the new smoking. And I, with the, the physical impact and, and psychological impact on our health. So um, that really um, landed and it, I haven't forgotten it. So um, for me, I, I got to a place of burnout in my work. So my background is in, um, you know, youth organizing, community organizing, activism, uh, specifically in climate justice, and then more recently in the racial justice space. And it was, uh, I think, really just, I was really disillusioned seeing my fellow organizers and activists burning out and operating from a place of, um, 
of rage. <laughs> and, and I think there's such value in channeling our rage into, um, you know, good work and worthwhile work moving toward justice. But I was, I was noticing too, we were just doing more harm than good. <laughs> we were taking out our pain on each other, taking out our pain on, um, I think the, a lot of like, there's this uh, concept of like punching up, punching sideways, punching down, <laughs> doing, we were just punching all over, like in our, you know, in the effort to punch up to the systems of power and systems of oppression, we were sort of knocking each other out in the process unintentionally and not realizing. Um, and so I think what I'm really interested in now is moving toward a place of um, just, yeah, loving accountability, still staying accountable, still recognizing the ways in which we're complicit. But loving accountability to me is tied up in mindfulness. And I think it requires us to be able to slow down enough to sense into what's going on for us, our traumas, our pain, our disappointment, um, get clear on what we need, and then, you know, enter into the next right thing. And so I don't think you can do that without self-care and without mindfulness and self-compassion. Um, you know, additionally, I think I was taking it out on my family. My partner and I've had some like really extreme ups and downs, especially around COVID, um, where we needed to like take some time apart and get really clear about like who, who we were in, in relationship to our work, but also to each other and our family. So I, my why for self-care and for slowing down and tuning in and taking time is so I can be a better partner, a better mother, like, and just be more loving to the people closest to me. Um, because I think I, I used to take out my rage on my family, um, in unintentional ways. Um, that was that wasn't good. That was not sustainable. And I'm I'm really happy and proud to share my partner and I are coming up on our 10 year wedding anniversary this summer and um, have done a lot of really hard, intense work. But that required that required slowing down, some mindfulness. Um, and now I can show up to my my work in a way that feels. Yeah, sustainable and joyful, truly joyful, um, even though this work can be really hard. So that's my why. Inspiring why. <laughs> it's very, very inspired. And that's why I'm like really excited to do this podcast with you. Um, you know, because sometimes when you do this work, you are instructing people uh, to do things. It's sort of like, um, you know, do what I say, but not what I do. I think what we're trying to, what we're trying to model here is, no, we're working on this too. We're trying not just to say it, but we're also trying to do it because it's, it's real for us. So I appreciate, appreciate hearing your story and your why. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same. Um, yep. So I want to know, so I'm really excited for you to share just what is, what is this series? What can listeners expect? Um, and what is the physiology of inclusion? Like, what does that mean? And tell us a bit about where it came from. Yeah. So the physiology of inclusion well, I'll go back and, and say what listeners can experience from this podcast is one to learn about what is the framework that we're using to, to help foster ease. And it is the physiology of inclusion. It is this idea that there's foundational and, and enabling components that we can lean on to be able to be well and do well. And, and the foundational elements are like physical, 
emotional and mental. Then these enabling um, components are around the, the spiritual, social, and then the practical. And I, I tend to think of them in more simple, simple terms. So physical, how am I taking care of my physical body? It's also about my behaviors, but one could say, how am I literally nurturing my physical body? Because I'll need to show up with some good body battery. Um, emotion is how am I checking in on my, my feelings um, and naming my feelings and understanding the impact of my feelings in terms of how I'm showing up for other people. Uh, mental is obviously my thinking, um, my ability to be open-minded, um, uh, things that can foster um, sort of curiosity, uh, suspending judgment. So that, that is sort of the foundational, we would say. And then that allows us, I, I think, to be really powerful in some enabling ones. Spiritual for me is just, do I recognize that I'm part of something that's greater than myself? And if I can recognize that I'm part of something greater than myself, it humbles me. Um, it, it, it seeks me to find connection to other people toward that, that thing that is greater, um, than both of us, um, that we're, whoever I'm engaged with the social then is, well, you know what? I have to do this with other people and I'll need other people to be a support network for me that I can, um, literally, um, be able to get honest feedback, constructive feedback, uh, support in those kinds of things. And finally, practical is, well, I do want to accomplish some things. You know, if it's accomplishing my own physical wellness and my health, it, it, if, it, if it is literally how are we centering justice for those who are most harmed and who are marginalized, this is about getting things done, but it's about getting things done and also being well. So that's the physiology of inclusion. It, it came about because of seeing and also feeling the toll that this work takes on us and then exploring how do we sort of support ourselves in order to do this work again, be well, and then also do well. And so listeners will be able to hear more about the components in particular. Um, they'll get a chance to hear us go through um, our guided practices. And, and then we'll talk more about the application within our work. So it's, it's going to be just a fantastic series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd love for you to share where it came from. I mean, you, you came up with this, uh, with, with this model, essentially, right? For the Winters Group. Yeah, it was, it was actually creation of, of my my wife and I. My wife is uh, has a master's in um, in chronic illness management, <laughs> as well as she is um, a dietitian and a nutritionist. And I leaned on her to help me find ways to take better care of myself when I was doing this work. Um, and so she really um, was a creator of a lot of the I would say of the foundational elements, particularly around the physical, um, you're trying to eating well, sleeping, um, and then exercise. And then I was really interested then in because of, you know, the, the heart disease and those kinds of things, how do I lower stress, which was about that led to the emotion that led to the mental. And then in terms of doing this work, that's where a lot of the enabling ones came up in terms of spiritual think, you know, that we do this work because there's a goal that's greater than all of us. Um, we know we need to do this work with other people, the social, and we also know that we want to get some things done, the, the practical. And so that's kind of how the different things kind of melded together into this framework that then we stepped back and we said, hey, we think it makes sense. Um, we begin to share it. Oh, that's so great. I think it's just going to be such a benefit. And, and for myself included, I think there's... Um... 
There are uh, you know, other frameworks that are really similar and have overlap, but I really like how you've categorized them. Uh, and as a way to remember and kind of come back to them um, in moments of stress or in moments of heightened emotion so that it's easy to remember, okay, what would it look like to do something a little different when it comes to my physical health right now? What would it look like to just make a different choice in this moment when all I want to do is numb with social media or numb with whatever thing I'm used to numbing with um, to start to identify for yourself those various components that bring you to a place of alignment, bring you to a place of non-anxious presence. So for listeners too, um, just for y'all to know, we're going to be actually going deep into each of these categories. And um, Kevin and I are going to be sharing our own stories of how, um, and our own ideas of how we do these in our lives. And I even see Kevin's workout equipment in the background there, uh, which I just love. It's like its own character in the story. <laughs> it is actually, it is. I'm trying to model this here. And in fact, uh, some of those instruments are lonely. I need to get on them uh, over the next couple of days. I love that. And I literally have my bed in the background, which is a symbol of rest. So there, that's for those watching, tuning in on the screen, uh, that gives you a sense for our priorities. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to know too, Kevin, just for, for listeners, like finding ease specifically, like what does that mean to you? And then what do we mean by diversity, inclusion, equity work? Because I think there's so many, there's so many buzzwords in this in this work, and we wanted to slow down, take time, let folks know what we actually mean by these terms. Yeah, at least for me, because I, I would love to know um, how you define it as well. But but I would say for finding ease for me, it is what can I do um, to pause, to simply pause. Uh, the next is you know what can I really do to help me relax. And then, you know, what can I do to help me be open and to help me be curious? And if I have found a way to pause, if I found a way to relax, if I found a way to be curious and open, then to me, I am now at ease in some, in, you know, not easy, <laughs> but I'm at ease to then engage with others, to listen, um, to speak my own truth. Um, and to engage in this work with, with other people. So for me, that's what kind of finding ease is. Before I, we talk about um, kind of the definitions, I'd love to get your sense as well of, of what you think the sort of that ease means and the finding ease. Yeah. Yeah. I think as you were sharing, it occurred to me, like, I know what it feels like to not have ease. So, right. That even for me, a first step is, okay, what does it feel like to not be at ease as a, as a first step? Um, step toward awareness. Okay, for me, it's hmm, constriction in my belly. Often I'm constricted in my belly. Often my breathing is, is super shallow. My thoughts tend to race. I tend to make up stories about a situation that may or may not be true. Sometimes I, um, the, just the physical manifestations uh, are, are about sort of that shallow breathing constriction in my gut, sometimes sweaty palms. Sometimes my left ear gets hot and red. So if we're ever having a conversation and I'm feeling I'm not at ease, you'll know 
by the color of my left ear. Sometimes it turns red. So that could be uh, a blood you, pressure thing. <laughs> you have a tell. You have a tell. Yep. So that's how you know. So so then I think from there, it's like, ah, awareness. Okay. Recognizing something's happening for me. Then I think starting to just notice and name the emotion attached to it. Like, oh, in this moment, I feel shame. In this moment, I feel um, grief. In this moment, I feel like embarrassed uh, or I feel whatever it is. Um, I feel anger, whatever it is, like just naming it can be powerful for me. And then I sort of have to move through. Usually, sometimes it takes the form of like taking time and space. There was a moment in my work where I really just needed to step away from my work and um, get clear and journaling helps. Processing verbally helps. Um and then I then I tend to come to ease when I can find some clarity. I know it's not always possible and practical to like step away, but in, in the moment, it's, yeah, it's just sort of naming and recognizing, which helps me then get familiar with the bodily and somatic aspects. And then to say like, or invite myself into a gentle relationship with those feelings, like, ah, Right now I'm really feeling grief and maybe even sharing it with whoever I'm with, writing it down so it just feels real to me and letting myself have the feeling and then like sometimes even putting my hand on my heart, slowing down, stepping away, like taking a breath. Um, and then I tend to find ease from there. Sometimes it's a literal dance party in my living room, like putting on headphones and blasting like Janelle Monet and I don't know, just sort of shaking it out. Like there's that, there's a physical aspect of shaking out some of that and helping your nervous system calm down. It's not always about yoga meditation. Like sometimes it's about go on a run, like, or shake your body, like lift some weights, <laughs> punch a pillow, you know? So there needs to be a channeling sometimes of whatever, like whatever's happening to then come to a place of, of ease. Um, that's what ease is to me. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate what the examples you, you gave and, and, and it leads into why this work is connects to diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, uh, which is um, just going back to what you're saying, um, this, this act of naming, naming how you're feeling um, and, and naming your emotions. We could take that further and say, there's probably a behavioral expression of that feeling, uh, which could be, well, I'm going to be maybe a little bit more silent. I might be a little bit more withdrawn. Maybe I'll, I will be speaking a little bit faster. So there's a behavioral expression um, of that emotion. Going next to that, there is also a behavioral interpretation of that reaction, of that expression from other people, meaning how are people interpreting that? And they could be interpreting it correctly or incorrectly. And given how they interpret it, uh, literally, that could be um, you're now collaborating or you're at odds. Meaning I may interpret anxious to now I, I may be a little bit withdrawn to someone else saying, oh, she must not be interested. And therefore, I choose not to work with her. So, part, you know, so the great connection to this work is. Again, it gets us to be, again, this pausing so that we're open and so we can be more curious 
and, and not make assumptions. So for me, that's a, that's a big part of how this connects to it. It is this idea of we, this, the D in this work, which is, you know, we are similar uh, and different in so many ways. We have so many intersecting um, identities. Part of it is to pause and be curious and not make assumptions. Um, and if we're able to do that, we're able to foster inclusion where people feel like they both belong, that we have their best interest at heart, uh, but that also we value their, your uniqueness, which then puts you in a position to focus on that equity, which is, you know, how do I ensure um, equal opportunity and fair treatment for you by the changing of my behavior and by the changing of systems, particularly now that I have an appreciation from, for you that's built on a stronger connection. And then we can, you know, focus that on this idea, larger idea of justice, which is how do I both acknowledge and repair harm and ensure that harm is not done in the future. All of that is anchored on my relational um, presence with you and the relational presence that we have with each other. That can come from this work that we're talking about right now, our ability to find ease. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful segue, beautiful connection into into what we mean by diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Um, and I'm aligned. I mean, I think I think so often in this work, we focus, I've seen the pendulum swing a bit uh, as an industry, sort of as a field, where it was more about cultural competence, compliance, you know, diversity, then sort of shifting into inclusion and uh, equity and with a lot of folks really grounded into the justice work, I think that there's such an opportunity for systemic, really like challenging systemic uh, injustice, right? As uh, individuals, as a collective and interpersonally recognizing the importance of, you know, interpersonal accountability in the work together. Thinking of Adrienne Marie Brown's work and uh, the book she wrote, We Will Not Cancel Us, just about cancel culture and some of the you know, I think ben real benefits to calling out uh, public figures and holding people accountable, but also, okay, but how are we taking that out on each other? And how can we be better at, you know, being aligned and, uh, yeah, you know, operating from a place of ease so we're more effective in dismantling systems of oppression, right? Like that is what we are here to do. Uh, make no mistake, like that that is our goal. It's a lofty goal. Uh, and we believe it's possible uh, with, you know, co-regulation in community um, to, to sort of rest when you need it, regulate, you know, yourself um, and then, right, get the energy to, to then get back into the fight. Um, and there's so many different ways of doing that. So we'll talk more, talk more about that throughout the series. All right. So this has just been such an amazing conversation. Um, Kevin, I just want to thank you for, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable um, for our listeners, and also just uh, work, doing this work with you um, is just really exciting to me. So thank you so much for sharing. I want to thank you. Thank you as well. I I, um, I just so enjoyed this. I, en I enjoyed the, the box breathing at the beginning. Um, I enjoyed hearing your story. It fosters that connection. You know, we keep talking about the relational uh, connection that's so important to doing this work. And I felt it with you during this session. So I'm, I'm really excited for the next one as well. And I'm, I'm looking really forward to your guided practice um, as well. Yeah, likewise. 
Likewise for yours. Um, and listeners, just so you know, you know, Kev Kevin and I work in different teams within the Winters Group. We have kind of, you know, um, touch points here and there, but this is really just such a gift, I think, and a feels like just quality time that we don't get. So it's really fun, I think, for both of us. Um, Great. Well, we want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear from you all. And so we'd love any questions you have uh, throughout the series. We're going to be engaging with those. And so if you have questions, please submit them to info at wintersgroup.com um, or on any of our social media platforms, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Um, and until next time, find your ease and center justice.